Hey, Rob. Hi, Vanessa. <laughs> Long time no see. Long time no see. And hi, guys. We hope you're doing well. Howdy. Howdy, howdy. So, uh, how should we... So, welcome to our first formal, actual episode. We're doing it. Yeah. Uh, as fun as it was to record those first few snippets of uh -huh. our funny questions, and we hope you enjoyed that. We certainly had fun yep. um, <laughs> doing had, some q and I had a ball. <laughs> yes, yes. But so today we're going to do our first actual episode where we're going to be talking about medicalization. I have a script here. Should I just go from the script? Go from the script? <coughs> yeah, sure. Sure. <coughs> so organized. So organized. <laughs> from La the top. <coughs> oh, yeah. So, and it starts with ahem. <laughs> ahem. Ladies, gentlemen, Vanessa. Hey. Welcome to the Vital Revival Podcast. I am Dr. Rob Jensen, physical therapist extraordinaire. This is where I tell you what I do. Uh, I'm Vanessa, and I'm a, a writer, freelance writer, and just medical health and wellness advocate. Yes. And today we're talking about... Medicalization. medicalization. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, get ready for this. Um, R079, chest pain unspecified. E119... Type 2 diabetes mellitus without complications. W50.2, accidental twist by another person. <laughs> Y34, unspecified event, undetermined intent. I don't know what you're reading. <laughs> okay, how about, how about V97.33XD? Sucked into jet engine, subsequent encounter. Okay. What are these things? What <laughs> these are, are like W61.02 struck by a parrot. These are medical diagnoses from the ICD-10. Oh. Struck by a parrot? Struck by a parrot. That's a medical diagnosis. You can get that in your chart as reimbursable by insurance. Interesting. You know what else is interesting? W.56.52 struck by other fish. A person struck by other fish? I would assume so, yeah. <laughs> I would assume that they're giving these diagnoses to humans instead of cars or boats. <laughs> I, was, I immediately thought like a fish was struck by other fish, but that, yeah, right. I mean, I'm it's sure that happens all, that's, that's okay. swordfish, right? All right, yeah. Right? So. So. Where are you going with that, Rob? So these are some of the ICD-10 codes, okay? So that the ICD-10 codes are how... Um, medical providers diagnose their patients so that they can be reimbursed by insurance. Okay. okay so Makes sense. if you don't have an ICD-10 code, you can't bill for a visit. Hmm. Okay. Um, and so we have uh, millions and millions and millions of crazy diagnoses. Uh, Z62.891 is sibling rivalry. Medical diagnosis. Really? Yeah. Um, R46.1 is bizarre personal appearance. No way. Guilty. Where? What's the source of these? These are from the ICD-10. The ICD-10 is. Um, I don't know about that. I, no, I mean those are those are things that are. You can search it. Those are okay. all. So so they're not like. So it's it's a little bit uh, silly, right? It's not exactly yeah. like you're not going to go in and they're going to be like, oh, I diagnose you with bizarre personal appearance. That's not how, not how it works. But these are, are things that um, that can be diagnosed. That can be like added to your list of personal diagnoses. Okay. Interesting. So, so how does that relate to medicalization? Yeah, so <clears throat> the way that it, it relates to medicalization is that these are um, things that are not medical diagnoses. Struck by a parrot is not a medical diagnosis. Apparently it is. Apparently it is, right? And that's, that's kind of exactly the point is that um, the ICD-10, uh, which is the 10th version, um, ICD-10 stands for International Classification of Diseases, 10th revision, um, is a document uh, designed by the World Health Organization. Um, and that's it. It's kind of like a catalog of the various mental uh, and physical diseases that a person can have or illnesses or diagnoses, right? Okay. So these ones, again, these are pretty superficial and, and fluffy, um, but... The, the, we're, we're kind of talking about medicalization here, which is where um, it's the process by which conditions and behaviors are labeled uh, and treated as medical issues. Okay, so that's standard medicalization. And yeah. That, these are examples of, you know, a, a better, more pertinent example would be something like um, obesity, depression, 
right? So, so those those are more in tune with what we're talking about for medicalization. Yeah, yeah. As compelling as it is to know that there is a diagnosis for being struck by a parrot, I, love I suppose. It. I love it. We live in a better world because of it. I guess. But not really. So, yeah. I God, I I just don't even know what to think or say about that one. But um, yeah. I mean, me- so medicalization is the cre is the creation of. Uh, diseases in air quotes in order to satisfy medical diagnosis in order to satisfy prescriptions that are available but it's also the sort of the overuse of prescriptions that already exist so yeah yeah so and there that's kind of the difference uh we've been talking about this back and forth for a while now um had many conversations about medicalization and over medicalization and i mean like we've said before medicalization is kind of like a morally neutral thing you know, the, 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 the immoral aspects of it or the, uh, I'd say, anti-human aspects of it are over-medicalization, right? So medicalization is um, epilepsy, you know, like formerly that was thought of as a religious gift, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they came to find that that was, uh, that's, not a, that's not a religious gift. It can be seen as a religious gift, but at the end of the day, it's misfiring of, the, uh, of neurons in the brain, right? So you get seizures and it's really dangerous. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so that's an example of good medicalization or, um, you know, uh, cirrhosis of the liver, broken bones. Like these are things that are, that I think belong within the medical community and like under the umbrella of these should be treated by medicine. Right. Yeah. Right. Versus over medicalization. Um, and there's actually a couple of good, uh, good definitions of that. So uh, on surface area or the more, more superficial version of over-medicalization is the process by which non-medical problems become defined and treated as medical problems, usually in terms of illnesses and disorders. Um, you know, and so that kind of covers uh, anxiety. ADHD. ADHD, depression. For sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also sleep disorders. Yep. That one too. Although in that case, well, I guess it gets a little bit... Murky. You know, maybe to back up... A little bit, just to clearly define. So there's medicalization, and then there's over-medicalization. Right. Right. Medicalization is just the creation of new um, drugs or treatment methods in order to treat existing or new conditions Mm -hmm. in general. And some of that can be, um, you know, is appropriate, and maybe some of it isn't appropriate. I don't know. Yeah. But then you have over-medicalization, which is when you are um, essentially fabricating new diseases. You're making things up when things are just, it's not even a real disease in order to, um, you know, benefit the pharmaceutical company so that they can make a product to, you know, treat that disease and then make money, obviously. Or um, it's over-medicalization is also the over-prescription of pills as a first method of treatment mm-hmm. versus, you know, sort lifestyle of... Lifestyle changes. A, right, yeah, yeah, like recommending um, or at least even assessing lifestyle changes, like in the case of obesity or ADHD mm-hmm. or sleep disorders, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that cleared it up, clear yeah. as mud. I don't know, but yeah. just to make sure people... I mean, even to simplify that even for like, I guess that wasn't that simple, but to like really simplify it, like medicalization is, imagine a doctor being like, I'll take that and I'll take that and I'll take that. Yeah. And I'm going to fix all that because I'm a doctor. And then over-medicalization is the doctor and a bunch of other, you know, people that are like, we're going to take everything and we're going to do all the stuff and we're going to make it all ours because yeah. that's what we do. It's like it's like greed and not necessarily out of, you know, trying to get money. It's greed out of just power and persuasion and overreach, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. And we'll get into why maybe this happens in another episode mm-hmm. um, and also the how. We've got some some research that we've done on that. But yeah. I think, you know, with just without getting too serious, so the reason we're talking about this today is because we want people to understand that this concept even exists. There's empowerment in knowing about medicalization and over-medicalization and knowing kind of behind the scenes what how the pharmaceutical industries and, and mm-hmm. physicians are thinking. If you've ever gone to a doctor, didn't we have a conversation with someone just last night? Like, if you've ever gone to a doctor with some kind of a problem, you know, how often is it that the first thing that they recommend isn't a pill or a prescription of some kind? Yeah. That is a very, you know... Standard, standard issue. Standard yeah. in, in your daily life, uh, you know, 
a method, of, not a method, but an example of medicalization mm -hmm. that you could, most of us experience. You know, but also like, the, I, I think it's important for this kind of conversation to make sure that we're not like throwing shade at physicians. Yeah, yeah. You know, cause I mean like, I've, I've worked in hospitals, I've worked with so many physicians and most people that go into medicine do it because they, they have altruistic motives. They want to help people. Um, and I think what happens is you, you approach that from uh, kind of an idealized stance. Yeah. And then once you get in the trenches, you realize that it's not, uh, you don't have the time or the resources or the support to take care of your patients and people the way that you thought you were going to be able to do. You yeah. Know? So doctors don't have to time to do anything besides prescribe you pills. That's why they prescribe you pills yeah. first, essentially. Yeah. They have, you know, four, four to seven minutes with each patient. Yeah. Uh, they got a nursing staff that's, you know, just barely hanging on by a thread. Um, you know, a lot of their education, I think from what I understand from what I've read is, uh, focuses on pharmaceuticals rather than, you know, musculoskeletal health and lifestyle interventions and psychology. Yeah. Um, you know, so, uh, right. I, this is basically me saying like, I, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade or trying to like, we're not trying to judge doctors. Um, it's the system that's busted, you know, and we're all, we're all participants. And I think that's also why, again, and, you know, I've said this before, but I think that's why, um, physicians have such a high suicide rate is because it's just like, they know, they know that they're, they're kind of like unwitting participants in this like crazy machine. They're little spawns kind of. Yeah. And they're, I'm and sorry they're, that I just called physicians, physician spawns, but <laughs> Careful but now. also I'm not I careful don't know. now. No, but, oh, but it's, it's like they, they get, they, but, they're like, they're trapped, you know? Cause like if you, if you're a physician and you spent, you know, decades of your life getting educated to be this thing, and then you get dropped into the thick of things and you're, you're like, you know, you have no time to take care of patients. And the time that you do have is spent documenting and getting yelled at by patients and dealing with your nursing staff and whatever it is mm -hmm. like, uh, that's going to burn you out so fast. And so uh, like, I just, I just sympathize with them, you know, like most of them are really, they're good people and they're really trying to do their best. It's just, you know, this medical system is kind of a, pardon my French, but a, a crap show. Mm -hmm. It's because it's capitalistic. It's all for money because it's, yeah. it's for profit. That's why. I mean, yeah. what incentive is there that exists for, for drug companies to not produce a pill that could potentially, mm -hmm. um, help people and they'd certainly make money off of it. You know, there's really no incentive for not doing that. It's how they, it's how they make money. And then doctors are also right. Incentivized to push certain, you know, pills or treatment methods. Yeah. Well, that's actually why. So, I mean, some of those drug companies get in so much trouble and they have to settle, you know, there was like a 13, I think it was $13 billion, $9 billion settlement, just a huge settlement hmm. in like 2013 because, um, the, uh, pharmaceutical company, I'll leave its name unmentioned, um, but they were, uh, they were caught basically bribing doctors oh, wow. to prescribe their medications and lying about side effects of their medications. You know, and that's the thing that's on the books. That's the thing that we know happened. And yet still somehow this pharmaceutical company still has this kind of massive role in modern healthcare. Um, it's dangerous. It is. It's dangerous. And it's not beyond, beyond dangerous. Um, I mean, I think it's evil. I think the word for it is actually evil where they're, they're focusing on profit and they're focusing on, uh, just that bottom line and taking care of their stock, their stockholders. And, the, but they're in a position to be, I mean, they're supposed to be selling medicine. They're supposed to be, and medicine is a thing that's supposed to help people yeah. get healthier. And, right. they, and they're like, nah, screw all that. We'll just, just give us the money. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And fun fact, did you guys know that the FDA actually does not, in some cases, have to approve certain medications in order for them to be released and distributed to the market? So some of the things you see commercials for may or may not be FDA approved, yeah. which, you know, however much you wait, you put in an FDA approval, that's to everyone's discretion. But yeah. just to say, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't put much in the FDA. Yeah. I don't know how much. Yeah. Um, I have a fun fact. Uh, what's up with garden gnomes? What? <laughs> What's up with garden gnomes? Yes. They're the best. Really? They're the best. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't seen a garden gnome in a minute. Why? Do you have some garden gnomes no. at home? I just know okay. that you're Norwegian and that's okay. Oh, got it. No, garden gnomes are a Norwegian thing, are they? More are like they? more like trolls. Okay, what's up? What's up with trolls? I retract my previous question love, love and, and insert this Yeah, one. I'll talk about that. <laughs> You'll talk about a troll. Talk about talk about a troll. So growing up, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you guys remember these little like troll dolls or whatever with the crazy hair. Oh yeah, I loved those. I collected them. But then, in, in addition to that, my mom actually had these like, I don't know, 
they were like, they were trolls, but they're made out of rocks or stones or something. They were just like stones and they had like troll hair. I don't know. They just what? looked very. What are you talking about? Troll. <laughs> <laughs> there are these special ones that like my mom had they, <laughs> they were like sound pretty special <laughs> so yeah i grew up with special trolls oh <laughs> <laughs> sorry you asked for norwegian like <laughs> got a little too norwegian there okay wait i have a question for you oh yeah what's your spirit animal my spirit animal yeah uh i mean i like eagles they're pretty cool okay because they're deadly and horrific um uh, I feel like I just learned a lot about your personality. You didn't know that I like deadly, horrific things? No. <laughs> sure didn't. I do. I do. Good to know. Um, I like sharks. Sharks are cool. They're also horrific and deadly. Um, I like sperm whales because they're also horrific and deadly. Um, wow. Uh, there's one, a polar bear, also horrific also and deadly. Also, gosh, really the horrific and deadly thing. Well, what's your spirit animal? Fucking <laughs> hedgehogs? A duck, probably. Mm. Get, get out of here. <laughs> They're so cute. Get out of here. You ever have a duck egg? No. They're gross. I think you're not supposed to eat those. Whoops. Or, I mean, I guess you can. I don't know. But that doesn't strike me as food. Yeah. But then again, I think we as humans eat a lot of things that I would be like... Not food? Yeah. I don't know. What's food? What's not food? But no, I would not... No, I've not had a duck egg. Yeah. I will not have a duck egg. Duck eggs taste exactly like you would think they would taste. Any different from like a chicken egg? Yeah, they taste like like they taste like they come from waterfowl. Huh. Oh, so it's like got like a sea. Yeah. Ew. Like Can you taste the ocean? It's like well, they're fishy. not ocean. Ew. Ew. They're gross. It's real gross. Okay. My, my sister and her husband and their mountain of kids. They used to have a bunch of ducks. I think they killed them all because ducks are also part of my French assholes. Ducks are. Yeah, they like rip each other's tails out and like. I think it depends on the duck. We're not. Let's not generalize all the ducks here. Not be racist against ducks. Yeah, not all ducks are horrific and deadly. <laughs> not, not all ducks. All right, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. All right, I have another question for you, though. Mm -hmm. If a pill could give you one superpower, what superpower would you like a pill telekinesis. to Telekinesis. Telekinesis. Wow, is that mind reading? What's telekinesis? <laughs> no, telekinesis is where you can move objects with your mind. Oh, that's cool. It's oh. the best power, because huh. because you, you can do it. You can do anything with it. You know, you can like take a take like a like a handful of watches and throw them up in the air and like turn them into like a you know spin them around you. You can wow. lift yourself up and fly. You can like mush somebody's head. Imagine if you had telekinesis as your spirit animal. So like if you were a sperm whale with telekinesis. A telekinetic sperm whale. Yeah. Oh my god. Too powerful. Too deadly. What would you do with that power? You take all the fish and just like make them swirl up into like a little, what's that? A water spout, a little water tornado, uh -huh. just a fish coming from the sperm whale. I don't know if that's what I would do if I was a sperm whale. I, th I think first thing I would do if I, was a, if I was a sperm whale and I had telekinesis, first thing I would do is I'd get out of the fucking ocean. <laughs> Where would you go? <laughs> a couch. I'd make a big couch and I'd just... <laughs> I'd watch, I'd watch uh, 10,000 Leagues Beyond the Sea or whatever. Yeah. Um, That's funny. Yeah, I'd, I'd do something like that. Okay. What would you do? What would you, if you had a, a magic pill from... And I was my spirit animal? Pfizer. Oh, from that Pfizer. That could give you a superpower. Oh, my God. Would you take it? And what would that superpower be? Yeah, I would. And my superpower would probably be... Um, that's a good question. You know, mm. contrary to what I said in a previous episode where I actually admitted I had a problem with heights, I actually, my superpower would be flying, mm. which is very contradictory of me, but sometimes I'm contradictory. I mean, if you can fly, you don't have to be afraid of falling. Right. And that's why people are afraid of heights. That's right. You know, and I, w I probably wouldn't be afraid of heights <coughs> if I could fly. So Because this, this, is, this is a fact most people don't know. It's not the fall that kills you. It's the landing. That's true. <laughs> Just here to oh, so prophetic. crack some duck eggs of knowledge on your dome. Yeah. Just kind of reining things back in. Uh, one of the major problems that I have with medicalization. Um, actually, hold on. I thought I had to burp. <laughs> we can edit that. We can edit that out. I'll edit that out.
I'm not going to edit that out. <laughs> it happens. Don't medicalize my belching. Oh, God. We're which so is, authentic. Which is, which is a rare a rare thing for me indeed. Okay. <clears throat> um, Dr. Rob, everybody. That's right. You get what you pay for. Um, okay, so so what I don't like about uh, medicalization, what really kind of drives me up the wall. What really do you not like about it? Okay. <laughs> Slow down there, Sparky. Um, it's that it, it encourages people to be passive about their health. Hmm. You know, like if, if you're if you're told by, uh, you know, Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford that obesity is a genetic disorder and it's a brain disorder and you have no say in whether or not you're going to be obese, then you're going to approach things from where, where you're like, well, I can't do anything about it, so what am I going to do? And you're just going to listen to what she says, which is, of course, get medication. Right. right? And medications are, it's a passive intervention. Yeah. You know? And, it, and it's, if you, if you want to be, if you want to survive, you can survive on passive interventions. But if you want to thrive, if you want to live, like, a really good, high-quality life, you have to be active about it. If like you, you don't want to be dependent on medication, you have to enact actual lifestyle and habit change. You have to change... Yeah your life yourself. And that means, you know, in, you know, your diet, your exercise, you know, the people that the relationships that you hold, yeah. you know, your viewpoints, your mindset, your, you know, everything you have to go back and yeah. maybe even examine any kind of childhood trauma that you have that you haven't sorted through yet, or you have to do some really deep inner work. I mean, there's a lot, yeah. but anyway, all that, like you're, if you want to thrive, and not just, you know, stay alive. That's that's what really is needed, but that's not what's encouraged. Yeah, yeah. And th this is also I, part of the reason that that strikes so close to, to my heart is that you see that same sort of phenomenon in uh, physical therapy and injury rehabilitation. You know, there, there's, there's tons of value to be had in passive interventions, which are, you know, massage, chiropractic, um, needling, manual therapy, joint manipulations, whatever. Like, th those are still valuable. But again, if you really do want to get better, if you want your pain to decrease in a, in a good, consistent, like, constant way, yeah. if you want to get stronger, if you want to rehabilitate an injury, that's work, you know? And, and that's, nobody, nobody's gonna, nobody can do that work for you. Yeah. In the same way that if you are obese or if you have, you know, depression, ADHD, uh, th these are things that also require a tremendous amount of work to really get over, to, to like, manage, to yeah. deal with. Well... I mean, ADHD, I don't know, because that's a, that's a neurological, I don't know if you can work, can you work out of ADHD? I don't know, that's a question, I, I'm not sure, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I mean, okay. But that might be. And maybe, maybe that one's not the greatest example. But, well, oh. but hold oh. on, additional thought there though, however, that is an example I do feel is, you know, many people have undiagnosed ADHD, maybe even me, I don't know, and sure you know. You 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 can work with that. You can learn. You can learn better time management strategies, focus strategies, behavior changes. Y you know, you can manage that if that's something that you have. Yeah. That does not need to be something that needs to be treated with a pill necessarily. Yeah. Unless it's unless it's you know an extreme case, you know, of course. But yeah. um, but also on like, the whole, like yeah. But and like the medication does. You know, if we're talking about whatever it is, obesity, uh, depression, like the, the medication does have a role there, you know, especially if you're, you know, teetering on the bleeding edge of, of sanity, Yeah. you know, for sure, like those medications, they can be really helpful to like get your toe in the door and help you start doing the work. Yeah. You know, Agreed. like that's, um, you know, and we're also not physicians. So what we're saying here, if you're on a medication, this is not, you, not you listen to your physician about that. Don't, Absolutely. this is, this is for entertainment purposes only. Yep. Yep. This is casual rhetoric here. We're just, chatting. yeah, we're, we're just chopping it up. <laughs> um, yeah. but, but it, it, it is like as a dude that's been depressed, I think I've been depressed for my entire life. Um, you know, I, I know I like, I know what that pattern is. I've never taken any of the medications. Maybe I should have. Um, but the pattern there is when I fail to live up to my own standards, um, when I tell lies to myself and the people that surround me, when I, when I live in a way that's like, that's, that's dissonant with mm -hmm. who, who I am and who I want to be. Your core self. Yeah, like, yeah. That, that makes me depressed. Right. And when I do things that I know I'm supposed to be doing, you know, wake up early, go to the gym, uh, eat right, don't drink so much. Um, the, that makes me forget that I have been dealing with depression. Like it makes it, it clears the smoke. Yeah. You know, and there's no pill that's going to do that for you. And that's that's kind of the problem. Like, mm -hmm. you can't, you, the medications have a role, um, but they're, they're, not, they're not the solution necessarily. 
Yeah. And again, for some people, I'm sure they are. You know, there's going to be plenty of people that have taken uh, medication and they're like, that's, that fixed my problem. And that's good, you know. But Absolutely. I, I think that's the, the exception, not the rule. Yeah. So what should we, I mean, what's the, what's the takeaway, I guess? Like what, you know, as far as like medicalization goes, like what do we, just like thinking out loud. How do we fix it? Yeah, not that, not how do we fix it, but what do we want like viewers to kind of know about medicalization other than just knowing about it, knowing the definition of it, what it means, how it, how it's applied, et cetera. But like, um, um, just know, just like be, be conscientious, yeah. like not even conscientious, but be alert yeah. and yeah, yeah. advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I would say, take responsibility for your health. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just, it's, just because, you know, it's what everyone else is doing or it's what the doctor prescribes or not, not to undermine there, but just there's in most cases nearly like dozens of other healthy strategies to deal with a lot of things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, advocate for yourself and it's like, if something doesn't feel right, or if you're not comfortable taking a new medication, that's going to cause you X, Y, Z side effects, get a second opinion, get a second opinion or definitely evaluate other options, all other options. Yeah. You know, you're empowered to be in charge of your own health and your own health care. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like the biggest message I at least wanted to get out there with this first episode on medicalization. Yeah, I would also say, you know, just to kind of add mass behind that, it's it's like nobody's coming to save you. Like your your doctor's not going to, they're not going to fix you. Almost, they're going to fix some people again, you know, but odds are good that they're not going to fix you, that they're not going to have the thing that's going to fix you. Um, Because again, it's, it's up to you. You know, the cavalry is not coming. Um, And so if you want to get better, you're going to have to step back. You're going to have to look at your life and see, you know, if if it's depression we're talking about or if or, you know, if it's an obesity thing, uh, anxiety, like you need to step back and you need to really kind of assess things. And yeah, like you have to you have to clean the mirror, you know, and you have to be able to sit in front of the mirror and look at yourself as honestly as possible. Um, being optim or being being optimistic, right, and being open, um, and giving yourself the benefit of the doubt, uh, but you have to clean off that mirror, get it as clean as possible, and just stare at yourself and be like, okay, you know, here's the things that I need to be working on. Here's the things that are not working for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also, it, like, as a dude that's done a fair amount of therapy, um, it's that that's a thing that I think everybody should look into. Yeah. You know, have a counselor, have somebody that is um, practiced and experienced in helping people kind of find themselves and fix themselves from the inside out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a, it's it's an internal locus of control is what it is. You know? Yeah. And that's, again, why I hate medicalization, because, you know, the these these medical groups, I'm not going to say doctors because it's not it's not just just doc- Western medicine in yeah. general. It's, it relinquishes the power from yourself and knowing your own body and yep. your own needs and and having that, you know, ultimate clarity and being your own guide in that way. And it relinquishes that power and gives it to them. And now they are the ones saying, I know your problem and this is what, and this is how you fix it. And you should listen to me and this is what to do. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's almost like imperative that we reverse that and give, yeah, the power back to you guys, like to the people, to us. It's power to the people. Power to the people. (laughs) It's not about, yeah, it's not about them having the power. It's but that, you that have is, the, that have is it. what it is, though, like power to the people. And yeah. here, here's a great example. Actually, first, I have to ask you a question. Okay. Um, where is it? I love these uh, questions. So I don't know. I don't think I asked you this last time. Oh, boy. Um, there are some people that say birds aren't real. What? So I must ask you, Vanessa, aren't they? Of course birds are real. You sure about that? Yeah. You sure? I have two in my house right now. How do you know that they're real? I mean, I guess I, I could be hallucinating. I probably need a pill. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> could they be cybernetic? You know, the government is doing that. What? And not to get too far in the bushes here with the conspiracy theories. Um, but yeah, they have bird-shaped drones. They're, this is a thing they've been working on for a long time. There's actually, uh, they're, they're, it's, I think it's called like necro-tech. Or maybe that's just the word that I used for it, but they're they're using dead spiders as like like manipulators. So they, they take a dead spider, a big honk and wolf spider, and they attach it to a little arm with electrodes, and then they put they put it on like we'll say an M M&M, and M, 
and then they a- activate it, and it picks up the M&M. They activate the dead spider and to pick up the M&M. That's disgusting. That's yeah. really bizarre. That's the most bizarre thing yep. I've heard in coming, a long time. Coming to an apartment okay. complex near you soon. Oh, my God. Gross. Yeah, pretty gross. Um, okay, so, yeah, here we go uh, with... We were talking about external locus of control and the experts. Yeah. Um, you know, and on, on that topic, real quick... Uh, it's 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 the it's a fallacy, right? Appeal to appeal to authority is what that's called. Appeal to authority. It's, a, it's an appeal to authority yeah. where you're like, well, this person's a doctor, therefore they know best, right? Because mm-hmm. they're an expert, they're an authority in the field, um, and it's a logical fallacy, right? Because name 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 one uh, famous evil doctor. This is not going as well as I thought it was going to go. <laughs> You could have said Dr. Frank. Is Frankenstein. that common knowledge? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that would have worked. Oh, sorry. I, didn't. I, was, I, was, I was hoping you weren't going to go like Dr. Uh, Dr. Mengele. Well, I was thinking of like any of those. I don't, I'm not going to go there. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Frankenstein? But the ones that you weren't going to go there? Yeah. That's a great example of an appeal to authority because they're also doctors, right? These, these evil, science, mad were, scientist yeah. doctors. I guess so. Um, and by, by the logic of an appeal to authority, well, they know what's best. Yeah. Oh. So, but with that having been said, okay, so there was uh, January 1st, 2023, on 60 Minutes, there was, uh, they interviewed Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford. Oh, yeah. Tell me about this. Yeah, because I was, I talked about it a little bit last night, but I didn't give you any of the deets. Um, So she, uh, she works at Boston Mass General. Um, She is an obesity expert. Um, And so during the interview, uh, she's sitting across from Leslie Stahl. Uh, and so Leslie asks, the, the, the whole the whole segment is about weight loss, right? And obesity, it's about the obesity epidemic. What about it? Like, just that it happened and why? No, it's it's about the fix. It's mm-hmm. about the proposed fix. So okay. Leslie Stahl asks her, she says, well, if you diet, you're going to lose weight, right? Mm-hmm. Which, I'll let you answer that. If you if you diet, do you think you're probably going to lose weight? Um, I, I don't know. I yeah. feel like sometimes yes and sometimes no. I don't know. Sure. And, and it's not guaranteed to work. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, it's a standard. It's part of the fix. It's Yeah, it's one method for yeah. sure. I mean, certainly if there's no harm in dieting. You won't gain unless, weight unless, by dieting. Unless you, unless you do something crazy. Yeah, I guess. Well, what if you have the Depends cho- on what your diet is. What if you have the right? chocolate pudding diet? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, or just Cheesecake like a poor diet? diet. Yeah, define dieting. I don't know. Yeah. But so I guess for her, that depends. For, for Leslie Stahl, I think what she was getting at is if you have if you take a weight loss diet, you know, calorie restriction. Okay, so if you portion restrict control, your, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, if you restrict your calories, you're going to lose weight, typically. Ac- Almost everybody. Isn't there a thing, though? And I don't know for sure. Uh-oh. Don't quote me. But isn't it something, <laughs> though, that like at first or something, help me, but... Your body. If at if first you, you start, don't succeed, try, try again. Yes, exactly. No, your body, like if you're uh, restricting your calories and it thinks it's starving, it'll actually hold on to the fat that it has. Yeah. So, and that's that's. It's interesting that you bring that up um, because that is kind of what Dr. Fatima is talking about when she starts talking her mess. Um, mm. I think it's called set point theory. Yeah, set point theory, which is uh, it's a theory that theorizes that there is a biological control method in humans that actively regulates weight towards a predetermined set weight for each individual. Can right. So so a predetermined set weight, which would a predetermined set weight ever be <clears throat> obesity and obese weight? But that's that's her that's her suggestion. She thinks it is. She says a that. predetermined set weight may be yeah. an obese weight. Yeah, so here yeah, then so so uh, Leslie Stahl says, "Hey, the number one cause of or she says if you diet you lose weight, right?" Uh, Dr. Stanford says, "No." The number one cause of obesity is genetics. The mm. number one cause of obesity is genetics. She goes on and she says, that means if you're born with parents that have obesity, that have obesity, if you notice the language there, they have obesity. They're not, they're not obese. They have this disease, right? So this is a medicalization. This is how medicalizers speak. They say, you know, you're not obese. You're not depressed. You have depression. Is that even true? Is obesity, and I'm just speaking, you know, I'm wondering, is obesity really a, a disease or a condition that someone it's, it's can be con- born with or It's considered have? a disease. But is it? Yeah. Do oh, is, is it one? No. I mean, there, there, there's disease processes that are associated with it. Um, and also, it, it's, class- I I just don't know. it's classified in the ICD-10 and by experts like this lady as a disease. They talk about it like a disease. So the medical establishment would say that it is a disease. But um, a disease is like a thing that you don't really get much of a say in. 
You yeah, know? if and you that, have a disease, there's nothing you can do. And that, that's that's why this interview with this Dr. Stanford is so. I mean, I would I would say I would say it's reprehensible what she's saying here. I think it's it's maybe she's not doing it out of. I, th- I think she is though. Uh, let, let me read more. Okay. So she says that if you're born to parents that have obesity, uh, you have a 50% to 85% likelihood of having the disease yourself, right? Again, talking about it like a disease. She says, even with optimal diet, optimal diet, exercise, sleep management, and stress management, that you're still going to be obese. You have a 50 wow. to 80%. She said that. She said that. She wow. Said that. I couldn't wholeheartedly disagree with that more. Yeah. So And so what she's saying is she's saying that obesity is all nature. That there's nothing you can do about no it. Nurture. If you got it, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. That's she's saying even if you're the most dialed in person in the entire world, there's almost nothing you can do about it. Wow. Right? So she's saying it's all nature, has nothing to do with nurture, nothing to do with lifestyle, nothing to do with... Disregards epigenetics and the science being done there entirely, which is, for those who don't know, epigenetics is how your lifestyle and the environment that you're around influences your your body, your physical health, your mental health. Yeah, and and how it activates or deactivates certain genetic and, and, you know... Yeah, it's uh, the expression of your genes. Yeah. So maybe if that, going off... Well, because, like, if you, the obesity gene, maybe that is true. Maybe. I don't know. But. I, there, I mean, for sure there's a genetic component to yeah, obesity. Yeah. And, and for sure you can try, like, if you're obese. I don't think it's a. And you have parents that are obese, you're going to have the same genes as them anyway. Right. Right. It's more like a predisposition. I wouldn't. It's not a. Disease, but but even but even maybe. there, her her saying that it's all genetic because if you have obese parents and then you're obese and she's like, oh, you know, therefore genetics did that. Okay. So then, but what about like family environments, right? What what right. about the kind of stuff you eat with your parents and the kind of the, the way that you learned to eat as a family? And it's the, like that doesn't even need to be epigenetics. That can just be like, oh, well, like like my family has a birthday tradition where we pound on the table every birthday. We sing, we do the thing, you know, a big old song and dance, and it's a thing. Um, that the That's fact cute. the fact that we all do that though doesn't mean that we have that gene. That's just a, that's just the thing we do, yeah. right? And like, yeah, yeah. and everybody in the family does it. Like our, our cousins, uh, aunts and uncles. Like that's that's what we do, and that's not a genetic thing. That's a thing that we learned to do as when we were children. It's and a behavior. We, and we've all, it's a behavior, right? And there, you could say there's a genetic component because we're all genetically related, and you're all genetically behaving in that way. Yeah, but then it's like, okay, so is it a behavior or is it is there a gene, the pounding on the table for birthday songs gene that's like active? I yeah, mean, I, I don't think that's the case. Yeah. Um, you know, and so she also, by saying this is this is genetic, um, and saying that it has nothing to do with diet and exercise. Again, it ignores uh, environmental factors, family culture, food choices, activity patterns, and other psychosocial factors. And it also ignores the mountains of research that talks about how processed food, environmental hormone disruptors, sugar intake, sedentary lifestyle, electronic device use, sleep deprivation, and depression all relate. They all lead to increases in diabetes, or not diabetes, obesity. Right, so those are all tied in. There's there's so much research out there. You, Which you, also, all those need pills too, right? I wonder if she was incentivized by a drug company I'm, to I'm, make that I'm, statement. I'm glad you said that. Cracked so, it. Um, she goes on to say, okay, yeah. So she is uh, her fix. So on on this on this CBS 60 Minutes segment, um, which is sponsored by Novo Nordics, Nordisk. Novo Nordisk, uh, which is a uh, Danish drug company, hmm. um, she says that the fix are, are a, a group of super expensive medications, uh, Wigovi or semaglutide, sure. um, which can cost anywhere up to uh, $17,000 a year. Um, she was paid as a consultant. Wow. Right? So, so, so on record, there's, there's, I found one instance of her being paid $15,000 by this drug company to... Uh, Who, this Dr. Fatima? Yeah. Well, yeah, that um, explains everything. Yeah, right. And it's also worth noting that if you stop taking the medication, uh, odds are real good that you're going to gain all that money back, right? So $17,000 a year, every year for the rest of your life, as long as you want to keep your obesity controlled um, through the through those medications. And God, God only knows what other kind of side effects you're going to have once you stop taking that. But also, and this is where it gets real nasty, okay? She is. She was appointed uh, by the Biden administration to the 2025 Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee. Wow. So, so she, this lady who says that diet has nothing to do with obesity, is in charge of the 2025 dietary recommendations. Your diet doesn't matter. Mm. And she's in. She's in charge. She's on that. She's on that advisory board. So, what does that mean? We're going to be seeing a lot more commercials for weight loss pills. 
Yeah, I think I think what it means is that I think that it means more and more folks that the the experts that are are not. I hate saying this, um, but they're not to be trusted. There, you there just are have trust, to trust yourself. There are trustworthy experts. Well, I, I think you just have to like really learn how to. Um, pardon me. How to uh, you gotta you gotta get your 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 bullshit detectors up and running. Yeah. You know, that's like you, you really got to screen these people and you got to pay attention because if you're not paying attention to these people, like if you're just like, oh, you know, it's coming from the, 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 where was that thing? What was it called? The Nordics. Nordics. Yeah. Council, well, if, if you're like, oh, it's the 2025 Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee, it's got to be good. Yeah. No. Because it was 19, in 1991, they came out with the food pyramid. Um, and the bottom line, like the, the most thing that you should consume according to 1991 is bread, starch, rice. Was it really? Noodle, yeah, oh, pasta. Gosh. Right, and that, and that's ostensibly that's when. Well, uh, then no wonder we have an obesity epidemic. Yeah, it's because the food pyramid way back, you know, however many years ago, yeah. told everybody that that was the most nourishing thing to put in your body. Yeah, you know, well, what, you know what else is crazy though? What? Uh, so I, uh, I asked my dog what two minus two was. He said nothing. <laughs> That's great. It's true, though. It's a random. Okay. Um, there was one other. Th I think there was one other thing I wanted to say about all this. I don't know if it needs to be said. Um, again, they're kind of tying it back together again, again, mm. which we've already tied it back. You, I think you did a great job at about minute thirty-one of tying it all back together, and then I had to talk about Doctor. Fatima Cody Stanford, yeah, um, which is good information. But um, again, we're kind of talking about I'm talking about corruption in the government and like all these other crazy things, um, and those are all those are all verifiable. Like the, that's the thing that was on TV, sponsored by these companies. Um, yeah. But again, this this is this is what you get with over medicalization, right? Over medicalization, what it seems to do is it seems to expand the market for. Um, for medical Making more money. Yeah, medical capitalism. Yeah. And and like capitalism is also it's not like you don't I, I don't think we it, we'd be unwise to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Capitalism is one of the ways that a lot of people like we kind of raised the living standard for a lot of people. Some people got it raised too far and made, you know, millions and billions of dollars and now we have these people that are in control mm -hmm. of society and they don't really seem to like us that much or care for us that much. But um you know, it's this this medicalization is uh, it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. It, I feel like on the whole, mostly, yeah, it's a little bit sinister. There are some. I did read like one example where, or not an example, but in some cases, we were talking about this the other day, that um, certain conditions exist with people. You know, like maybe there's a large body of people that are reporting having the same symptoms or the same concerns or whatever. And in those cases, like the FDA will work with drug manufacturers to create something just to um, sort of help those people. And from that, from that partnership and from that, those scenarios, good medicines have been created and yep. have helped many people. Um, so it's not always just like the manufacturing of disease. These pharmaceutical drug companies are just creating diseases out of thin air in order to yep. like have somewhere to put their pills towards. A lot of times they are partnering with like, you know, the FDA and it's because they're listening to these repeated concerns and complaints from us, from people, from mm -hmm. us going to the doctor. Um, yeah. Or at least I hope. But, you know, there is a, a collaboration there that seems to be beneficial in many, many times, too. Yeah. So it's just to kind of like shed some light on the positive there. But ultimately, I do feel more often than not. Um, the overprescription of pills, and then the sort of um, over over diagnosis and over definition of medical diseases, mm -hmm. uh, things that could most assuredly be treated health in healthy ways, or at least as a first me measure of treatment, mm -hmm. not as something as a last resort. Um, yeah, is just yeah. I mean, it's 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 like a medicalized society. You know, because, like, again, like, the, the fixes that we're talking about for all these things, like, yeah, medication's great. Um, but it's, these are, these are things that are almost like, like a, a systemic 
societal thing. You know, yeah. like, like a lot of them tie into <clears throat> the same, like they're all grown out of the same kind of soil, which is, you know, inactivity and people yeah. spending too much time isolated on their phones, uh, too, many, too much crazy food. Yeah. I think I read something that like 70% of the American diet is processed food. I believe that. And like the fix for that isn't a pill. It's not It's not like, oh, you know, take this medication that makes it feel like you're not eating garbage. Like it's not, it's stuff oh, in the garbage. It's change your life. Yeah. Yeah. I also think it's really, I had this thought the other day. Oh. I know. Oh. Yeah. So, so many, like, I feel like I've read so many articles lately with people saying that they have ADD and ADHD and just in general focus and attention problems. And I think maybe some of that could be a result of many more of us working from home now and having to adjust the way that we work. And so we can't concentrate because maybe people have are working from home and they've got kids and they've got their spouse or they've got other things that they're able, that they're distracted by. Mm -hmm. I get it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we have like the highest rates of people, uh, their, their screen time, screen time use yeah. people on their phones constantly, people on social media constantly, people on TikTok. you know, it's like, that's a huge you know, epidemic in and of itself. How do the how does how do the two even like coexist is my question there. How can you have such so many people claiming to have a f problem focusing and yet they have no problem spending and focusing hours a day on their phone? Yeah. And on TikTok, I mean that requires focus, doesn't it? I think it's unfocused. It's selective focus. Yeah, I think it's like an unfocused focus. And it's also it's also yeah. like an addictive behavior. And it's also probably contributing to the lack of their ability to focus on mm -hmm. anything not on screen. Of anything of, of substance. Because yeah. I mean, the things that, that, I mean, I'm on my phone all the, all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's not, I'm not on there like reading research articles and, you know. Yeah, I'm right. Cutting, I'm Me looking neither. at stupid stuff Reels. on social media. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I don't know. But I was just thinking about that. So it's like you have all these people maybe on medication for ADD and ADHD and focus problems, but their behavior remains unchanged and they're still probably engaging in the things that are contributing to them having a lack of focus and ability in mm -hmm. the first place mm -hmm. is where I'm arriving with that. You know what we should do? What? We should take a short break and then uh, I have an idea for a challenge for our listeners and for us. Oh boy. Okay. Let's do it. We'll be back after the break, folks. Okay. Okay, folks, we're back. Um, oh, uh, here's one. Uh, oh, never mind. I was going to tell you a time-traveling joke. Or, <clears throat> let me try that again. Okay. I was going to tell you a time-traveling joke, but you hated it. I don't, I don't even get it. You were going to tell me a time-traveling joke, but you hated it? But you hated it. Oh. I get it. <laughs> it's okay? Yeah, that was good. <laughs> it took me a minute, sorry. I was, I was a little... I was buffering. Sorry. <laughs> I like that the time-traveling joke was like the longest. The short joke just took forever. <laughs> Yeah, travel back in time, get that minute back. Oh, damn. Wait, I have a question for you. Okay. It's a little dark. I love dark. But I want your opinion on this. Uh-oh. Okay, are you ready? Yes. All right. If sparkling skin was a symptom or a side effect of antidepressant medication, would the world be a brighter place? Ugh. I mean, I'd still be as, as dark as my bloody soul. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, th I think that, that actually, if it was a side effect of antidepressants, I think more people would take them. Probably. Wouldn't and that I, be nice? And if, I like, think that would effects? make them more effective. For sure. Yeah, I think so, too. What if it made you glow? Oh, my God. If you had radiant skin from anything. Oh, I wasn't talking. I was talking, I was talking like, oh, like Sting from uh, Lord of the Rings. What if, what if there was an antidepressant? Okay, here's a question. And this is for everybody. Okay. If there was an antidepressant that you could take that would make you glow like Sting from Lord of the, from the Hobbit... Not Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. That would make you glow like Sting from The Hobbit in the presence of things that would depress you. Do you think that would work? Oh wow! In the presence of things that would depress you. Oh my God! If it just made you like. Um. What's the question? Would I take it, or what, what would, would that be like? Would it work? Would, would you take it? Uh. Let me answer this for me. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would take that. Oh. I can't think of things that depress me. Like, I wouldn't know what, like, when would dead that be activated? Cats. Oh. Or, like, a, <laughs> a dead cat. I mean, a dead animal of any kind would probably be sad. But okay. I don't know if that would put me in, like, depression. I'd just be sad. It'd probably be a mild glow, not a full glow. Yeah, not like a, like a... 
like a blue dwarf I wouldn't be star. beaming, but I'd be a little bit, you know, illuminescent. Okay. Sort of with. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that works. Okay. Um, I think there's one other question. Oh. Yeah, your big challenge. Well, okay, so the, cha- the challenge for everybody is this. Um, go on your iPhone. I'm assuming you have an iPhone. Uh, otherwise, if you don't have an iPhone, I don't know. Why wouldn't they have an iPhone? Who doesn't have an iPhone? I feel bad shilling for iPhones because, you know, considering they have factories full of enslaved children that, like, oh. make them. Well, isn't that invent, most of the products that we use? Invent a new iPhone that doesn't use uh, slave labor. First yeah, that would off, be good. that's my challenge. That's my whole challenge. That's the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> no, go to your phone. Um, you can download a widget, or you can you can install a widget on your uh, on your home screen that lets you track um, your time. Oh, you can like install- your screen time. Yeah, your screen time. Oh yeah, that's just on. You don't have to. That's just on your iPhone. Yeah, but but it's not it's not automatically on your home screen. Oh no, you go to your settings or something, and you hit screen time, and yeah. it'll tell you. And so, what my challenge to you is is put that on your home screen um, and get, I don't know, try to get two hours, only two hours a day for the next week. That's a good challenge. I like that, actually. I don't know if I can do it. I I could definitely do do it. it. I I could definitely do it. I could cut that down to like an hour, probably. Down to an hour? Yeah, for sure. Vanessa's going to do an hour, everybody. Yeah, if I'm not responding, it's just just like, I just don't look at my phone anymore. You better better bring receipts. (laughs) I will. I'll bring receipts next episode. At the the end of the day, you have to screenshot... Uh, your home screen timer thing. I like that. What should we do? Ooh, we should maybe... What uh, should we do? Ooh. Well, ideas. <laughs> <laughs> for, for what? For like a prize? Yeah. Well, so if you want to follow us at thevitalrevival.podcast on Instagram, post a picture proving that you brought it down to two hours per day or less. Or less. I don't know. Give us some proof. Post it in the comments. Um, and maybe the person with the least amount of daily screen time on average or something will, you know. We'll, we'll give you a shout out. We'll do something. Yeah. Yeah. We challenge you. The Vital Revival dot podcast on Instagram. So. Do it. I think that's a really good challenge. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Cool. Um, I What's have... coming next up, Rob? What are we doing for our next uh, podcast? Yeah. That's the way I meant to say that question. <laughs> that's good, though. That's good. <laughs> I tried. Cheeky. <laughs> Um, next up is going to be uh, we're going to be doing medicalization uh, 1.2 which is going to be how or the what the how what we did what today today was what yep sorry and then how 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 medicalization so more into the nitty gritty on the process of um, how it works we'll throw off some terms that I've certainly been researching a lot like astroturfing for example what was the other one pink pink washing um, that was an example of astroturfing. Yeah. Yep. Awareness raising is another term I'll tell you about. You felt uh, your, your blood is going to boil. Disease mongering, all these like really fun tactics, which, you know, they may or may not have merit. I don't know. So, but we'll, we'll talk about it and we'll be examining all sides of it. Like, um, some articles have said that, you know, pharmaceuticals definitely use disease mongering in order to, you know, get people so concerned that they might have a disease and then, well, I won't give it away. But then other articles have have argued the opposite of that. So we'll present all sides. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll get into the how. It's going to be great. All right. All right, folks. Well, thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye.